Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. I need to be really careful with how I treat it, by what I'm taking in. Food, yes. Entertainment, yes. Thoughts, yes. All of it. Who I'm hanging out with, yes. You got to be very careful. Why? Because this is his temple. This belongs to him. When you receive Jesus, you surrender to him. He said, yes, please have your way. Make yourself at home in my heart. When we believe in Jesus as our Savior, we're surrendering all that we are to Him. That means that we have to choose the things that bring Him honor to protect His temple, which is our body. Today, Pastor James tells us that believers have to watch everything they do to ensure that they can fully surrender to God. Have you fully surrendered your life to God? If you haven't, God wants you to trust Him so that He can lead you to a life that leads to eternity with Him. He's a loving God, and He wants you to choose Him today. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers, chapter 17, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. I myself have chosen your fellow Levites from among the Israelites to be your special assistants. They are a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord for the service in the tabernacle. Aaron, you don't have to do it all by yourself. And I can read through this and study through this, and I can praise God that I don't have to do it all by myself either. That's a cool thing, right? But you and your sons, the priests, must personally handle all the priestly rituals associated with the altar and with everything behind the inner curtain. I am giving you the priesthood as your special privilege of service. Any unauthorized person who comes too near uh, the sanctuary will be put to death. Serious. Take it serious. So what you see forming in, in Numbers chapter 18 actually develops into this really cool picture in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 6. So you have the apostles who are like doing everything. And then these, these needs, this like, there's some complaining that happens. Uh, some widows are not getting taken care of. And so they bring this to the leader's attention, which is always a good idea, by the way, um, and say, hey, here's a problem. And so the, the apostles get together and they're like, well, we have to devote ourselves to, to prayer and to the word of God. So what we need is to, we need to raise up people who are filled with the Holy Spirit to serve tables, to be deacons and deaconesses. That's, all that word means is servant. That's all it means, okay? So if you're a Baptist church and you're like ordained as a deacon, I'm sorry to tell you, but you were ordained as a servant. That's just, they just gave you a cool name, right? It's just, you're a servant and so are we. But in Acts chapter 6, you see this lived out because Aaron had, and his sons had to serve in this capacity, which means they needed to delegate or have other people do these things. So Numbers 18 is just a reflection of the reality of Acts chapter 6 for the church. You have people who are leading churches that have to devote themselves to these things, and they can't handle all, they can't serve tables too. And it's not because they're lazy, I hope. It's because you have to devote time to these important matters, and there's plenty of, plenty of work to go around. 
plenty of work to go around. If there's widows who need to be taken care of, there are faithful men and women that God brings to his body that can serve those widows or those orphans or whatever needs are there. There's a lot of tables to be met um, or to be served here here at this church. Um, And God knows how to, he just knows how to take care of that. And I just, it's always cool to go back through the Old Testament and you see like, oh, this, oh, I I see that in the Acts. It's really sweet. So you got this, Aaron's, or Aaron's got this privilege, all this good stuff. Last little warning before we cruise through the rest of this portion of text. Be careful how you treat his temple. Okay? Before we move away from this point of like, the severity of like, like the temple of God and the presence of God, you and I need to be very cautious on how we treat his temple. And I'm not talking about the church building. I'm talking about yourself. If the Holy Spirit resides inside of you, you need to be careful on how you treat his temple. How you treat his temple. Don't beat up on his temple. Like, and I'm not talking about like, you need to have all this, you know, self-positive talk type stuff. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that. Like, don't go overboard with it. You're, look, you're a great person, okay? Because you're a sinner saved by grace, right? Like, it's amazing. You're a child of God. If, if, he's your, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you're one of his kids. You're one of his kids. Take care of the temple. And that can mean all sorts of things. I get it, but... What we do need to watch out is, is allowing our minds to be filled with this negativity. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Don't, don't allow that. Why? Because you're like desecrating the temple. Like that'd be somebody coming in here and plastering all these posters on our walls of things that we're not about these things. And everything that I've read from the scriptures, I, I have yet to come across anything that says, you know what you should really do? You should just beat yourself up all the time. Just beat yourself up all the time. It's not in the book. Just think negative all the time. That's not in the book. In fact, uh, we know science tells us the more you do that, the the earlier you're going to see Jesus. Like it is taking years off of your life. I'm not saying you got to walk around and be all slappy happy all the time and whatever, like just oblivious to pain. But this is his temple. We need, I, I need to be really careful with how I treat it, by what I'm taking in. Food, yes. Entertainment, yes. Thoughts, yes. All of it. Who I'm hanging out with, yes. You've got to be very careful. Why? Because this is his temple. This belongs to him. When you receive Jesus, you surrender to him. You said, yes, please, have your way. Make yourself at home in my heart, right? Who's that? uh, Unger, right? You guys, that's his last name, the author. My Heart, Christ's Home. Have you ever read that little pamphlet? Yeah. If you haven't, buy that thing. Read it. I just read it today. And that tells you, it's a little pamphlet. Um, It's small. It's tiny. Uh, I I got it like when I was working at the Bible College. By the way, I worked at the Bible College when I graduated. Wow, you were a teacher? Oh, no. They stuck me in the bookstore. Um, that's where they, they were like, let's put this guy in a bookstore, which is a really bad idea because I had an employee discount. And, uh, and that's you know, all my books in my office. That's where it came from. I was a broke, you know, Bible college staff uh, because I kept buying all their books. 
But I bought that little pamphlet. I remember seeing that, and I was like, I'm going to read through this. And, and what it is is a, just um, a man sharing this thought that had come to him about Christ coming into his life, and then him, you know, uh, I think his first name is Bob, but Unger is his last name, inviting Christ into his heart and saying, yeah, you know, take up residency inside of me. You know, I, my heart is your home. And so then Jesus goes on a tour, so to speak, of his, of his house. And he's looking through all, you know, all his, his rooms and, and he's, you know, addressing things that this guy had in his room, the different rooms. And there, it, the ends, spoiler alert, with there's a closet upstairs that has all the, the junk from the past in it. And Jesus is like, it smells like death up here. Right? He's like, I can't let you in there, Jesus, because I'm ashamed of all that stuff. And Jesus is like, well, you gave me, he's like, you're, you're just treating me as a guest. He's like, you want me to clean out that closet? In this sense, what kind of happens is Jesus is like, I got to own the house. I need to have access to the whole house. And then he shares, a, he let that, and Jesus cleaned out that closet and did everything. It was just beautiful. But he, he uses that cool little illustration to sum it up as like, you've given your life to Jesus. He has access to every single space within your heart. It's his temple. It's his place of residency. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 tell us that. Be careful on how you treat his temple. Be careful on how you treat his temple with other people, with other people, other believers. That's why Christians should be nice to each other. <laughs> we should be. But I don't know what happened when, you, when we got saved, and it's like us sheep developed fangs. And I'm like, I don't, why, where did that come from? Why, why do almost all the hurts and pains come from in, within the church? It just doesn't make any sense to me. We're just chewing on God's temple, right? Like, oh, just respect what God is doing in the lives of other people, have patience, have grace for them, have grace for yourself. But uh, man, respect and, and be careful on how you treat his temple. Okay? Right? So let's move into this last little part. Verse 8. This last section, this is, uh, this is fun. This is about money. So uh, here we go. Get out your wallets. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, verse 8. The Lord gave these further instructions to Aaron. I myself have put you in charge of all the holy offerings that are brought to me uh, by the people of Israel. I have given all the consecrated offerings to you and your sons as a permanent share. You are allotted the portion of the most holy offerings that is not burned on the fire. The portion of all the most holy offerings, including the grain offerings, the sin offerings, the guilt offerings, will be most holy, and it belongs to you and your sons. You must eat it as a most holy offering. All the males may eat of it, and you must treat it as most holy. All the sacred offerings and special offerings presented to me when the Israelites lift them up before the altar also belong to you. I have given them to you and your sons and daughters as your permanent share. Any member of your family who is ceremonially clean may eat of these offerings. So what God is telling Aaron and the Levites is you don't own any land. So because you don't own anything, when these people bring their offerings and their sacrifices, you get a portion of that. Why? So you can live. So you can live. Well, I don't think those guys should get paid. They're going to die. Like, do you want the, in the, in this structure, God has the Levite set up as like serving the, the in-between, between God and the, the children of Israel and offering these sacrifices and all this good stuff. They're doing hard work. 
And they deserve a portion of it. And God's like, I got you. You're covered. Don't worry about it. You'll never go hungry. You'll never go hungry. As long as these guys keep giving, you'll never go hungry, right? And Moses and Levi's like, oh, please, um, please let them keep giving, right? Pass the plate again through the children of Israel. No, uh, they're, they're supposed to do these things, and the descendants of, of Aaron, the Levites, they would, they would benefit from that because they got to eat. They got to keep doing this stuff. All the sacred offerings and special offerings presented to me when the Israelites lift them up before the altar also belong to you. This is verse 11. I've given them to you and your sons and your daughters. This is just a reminder here. I've already read it, but any member of your family who is ceremonially clean may eat of these offerings. Okay, so there's the, the one thing there, the caveat. You've got to be ceremonially clean. I also, verse 12, give you the harvest gifts brought by the people as offerings to the Lord, the best of the olive oil, new wine, grain, all the first crops of their land that the people present to the Lord belong to you. Any member of your family who is ceremonially clean may eat of this food. Everything in Israel that is specially set apart for the Lord also belongs to you. The firstborn of every mother, whether human or animal, that is offered to the Lord will be yours. But you must always redeem your firstborn sons and the firstborn of ceremonially clean, unclean animals, sorry. Redeem them when they are one month old. The redemption price is five pieces of silver as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel, which equals 20 garas. So all of this we went through in Leviticus. That's why I'm just going to cruise through this. Okay. So God has this order and with the sacrifices and all that good stuff and how it's going to work between the people and their offering and the Levites and and their role within serving and, and offering up these sacrifices. And then they get a special portion of it is basically what happens there. Then there's this whole thing concerning dedication of the firstborn of animals and the people it's uh we we've gone we went into that in into a little bit more detail but all you gotta do is go back a little bit and you'll see that okay so god's just reminding the children of israel remember this is what i've already set up this is what i've already set up verse 17 however you may not redeem the firstborn of cattle sheep or goats they are uh holy and have been set apart for the lord sprinkle their blood on the altar and burn their fat as a special gift a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The meat of these animals will be yours, just like the breast and the right thigh that are presented by lifting them up as a special offering before the altar. Yes, I am giving you all these holy offerings that the people of Israel may bring to the Lord. They are for you, your sons and daughters, to be eaten as your permanent share. This is an eternal, unbreakable covenant between the Lord and you. It also applies to your descendants. So he maps them out, gets them like, you're covered. Just because... You don't have land. You don't have all this other stuff. Don't be envious of what you don't have because I'm going to take care of your needs. He's a good God. He knows how to do that. So just like other people within the nation of Israel may have been envious of their privilege of where they got to serve, the Levites could have been envious of other people and been like, oh man, they get to grow all that stuff and raise all those animals. God's like, look, just, just do what I've asked you to do. And don't be concerned with your needs because I'm a good heavenly father. I'm going to take care of your needs. Verse 20, the Lord said to Aaron, you priests will receive no allotment of land or share of property among the people of Israel. I am your share. Well, that's enough. Um, That should have been enough right there, right? God's like, I'm all you need and your allotment. As for the tribe of Levite, your relatives, I will compensate them for their service in the temple. Instead of an allotment of land, I will give them the tithes from the entire land of Israel. All right. 
From now on, no Israelite except priests or Levites may approach the tabernacle. If they come too near, they will be judged guilty and will die. We've gone over that. Only the Israelites, or I'm sorry, the Levites may serve at the tabernacle and they will be held responsible for any offense against it. This is a permanent law for you to be observed from generation to generation. The Levites will receive no allotment of land among the Israelites because I have given them the Israelites tithes, which have been presented as a sacred offering to the Lord. Tithe is 10%. That's what that means. Okay. Tithe means 10. This will be the Levite share. That is why I said they would receive no allotment of land from the Israelites. So God's like, don't worry, I got you. But God, what about, don't worry, I got you. What about our bank accounts? Don't worry, I got you. Just do what I've asked you to do. I'm going to eliminate all this from you. All of the, the reason to worry. God's like, I'm going to remove that from you. So just do what I've asked you to do. But we don't have, they got jobs. They get money. They, God's like, just do what I've asked you to do. Don't worry, they're going to bring you money. Some of it you get to keep in these ties and all this stuff. You're like, what? Yeah. Um, then other people look at that and be like, oh, man, there's, that's great. I want to get paid to do that. Well, do you? <laughs> do you? <laughs> just think about it for a second, okay? Just, just think about it. Sometimes it's just good to just to be right where God's called you to be and receive what he's given you and just just be thankful. Just be thankful. So, verse 25, this last little bit. The Lord said to Moses, he also told Moses, give these instructions to the Levites. When you receive from the people of Israel the tithes that I've assigned as your allotment, give a tenth of the tithes you receive. So you need to tithe from what you received. You're like, oh, maybe I don't want to be a Levite. <laughs> yeah, like they, whatever they get in, they still need to give. That's, that's the deal, right? So it says a tithe of the tithe. Give a tenth of the tithe you see, the tithe of the tithe, to the Lord as a sacred offering. The Lord will consider this offering to be your harvest offering, as though it were the first grain from your own threshing floor or wine from your own wine press. God's like, don't worry about it. Hey, if you feel bad about not owning a field where you can grow wheat, it's cool. When they give you money, give me some of that money. Because guess what? That's what I'm doing with them. When they get first fruits, they're supposed to give that to me. So you don't have a field to grow wheat, that's okay. When they give you money, your first fruits to me are what you received from them. Beautiful little setup here. It also just instills for the Levites as well, you just got to trust him. You got to trust him. And for those guys, they really got to trust him. Because <laughs> they're not growing anything. They're not raising anything. Their service is just specifically to the Lord and the temple. I mean, they're not like, they, they, God, they, God didn't call any of these guys to be bivocational, meaning they, they would have part-time jobs. Not these guys. New Testament, Paul was making tents when he needed to make tents. That's a beautiful thing. You do what you got to do for as long as you have to do it until you get to do what you want to do. Right? It's said, tell my kids all the time. Sometimes you just got to do what you have to do for as long as you have to until you get to do what you want to do. Okay? Sometimes that comes. But it, it doesn't matter. What matters is, am I trusting the Lord? Am I, am I going to fulfill what he's asked me to do, to, what he's called me to do? And so for the Levites, these guys are like, we don't get to make money. And God's like, that's okay. Don't worry about that. But when these guys bring you a tithe, I'm still worthy of the first fruits. And you have first fruits, even if you're not harvesting actual plants. So they still needed to give. 
They still needed to give. And that's sometimes a hard lesson too, right? Malachi, you can't, like, you can't outgive God. You, you just can't outgive God. We talked about this. God challenges us. Test me on this. Test me on this. Give to the Lord. Give your tithe to the Lord. Just trust him. Just give to the Lord. He knows how to, man, he, he just knows how to come through at the right time. I, I can tell you stories upon stories of how there's nothing, and then there's something. Or there's this big thing. And then the next day, God shows up that to, with a big solution for your big problem that fits exactly like that. It's just what he does. What he does. I wish he would let me in on the plan. I wish we could sit down and look at a month, you know, of activity and be like, okay, just map it out for me, God, please. Like, you know, you know the stuff. Like, when, I, you know, I know problems are coming. I don't care about that. When are you going to show up? So I don't have to. He's like, you shouldn't be stressing anyways. Throw the calendar away. Be thankful. Rejoice. Celebrate. You serve a good God. Be sure to give to the Lord the best portions of the gifts that given to you. Oh, yeah. Give me your best. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is. If somebody gave you something, you give to the Lord your best. Give them your best. Verse 30. Also give these instructions to the Levites. When you present the best part of your, as your offering, it will be considered as though it came from your own threshing floor or wine press. You Levites and your families may eat this food wherever you wish, for it is compensation for serving in the tabernacle. You will not be considered guilty for accepting the Lord's tithes if you give the best portion to the priests. But be careful not to treat the holy gifts of the people of Israel as though they were common. If you do, you will die. <laughs> yeah, there you go. God's like, oh yeah, hey, you better respect whatever you get from these people. Because if you don't, you're going to die. And Aaron's like, man, can I have another job? Like, seriously, can, can I, like, does anybody else have to carry this burden, God? He's like, no, you won. You won the lottery. You won the, the shepherd's staff lottery, Aaron, and here you go. And you get to do something that nobody else gets to do. But it, guess what? It comes, it comes with the heavy weight. It just does. Matthew 10, 10, Luke 10, 7. Jesus tells, it's teaching, he tells the worker is worthy of his wages. And for Aaron and the priesthood, they were doing hard work and they were worthy. They were worthy to get paid. First Corinthians 9, 14, Paul addresses this. Yeah, anybody who's serving in the ministry, they, they, should get, they should get paid for that. They just should. I don't know why that's, sometimes that's an issue. I don't get it. Probably because I serve in the ministry. <laughs> You're like, well, I don't know if we trust your, no, look. They should get paid. They should get paid. If you got a problem with pastors getting paid, then, well, start a church. And then um, if it doesn't collapse in the first year, because I don't think God's called you to do that, then uh, you come back and we'll talk in a couple years. Look, it's a difficult job. It's a hard job. I don't want money. I don't care about that. I don't care about that. The Lord provides for me and my family all that we need. What, what I want is, is just prayer. That's all. Yeah, I'll take your money. No, um... No, it's in, for any leader, for any leader, like, just support. I don't care what that looks like. Support. Because they do hard work. And I'm, this is weird for me to say this, but look, I'm an open book. Being a pastor is difficult. Carrying what I have to carry is really hard. Really, really hard. So whether it's me, whether it's other pastors that you know, it doesn't matter. Pray for them. Pray for them. Support them however you can words of encouragement, things like that. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken, a radio broadcast ministry of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Pastor James Grizzle has been teaching through the Book of Numbers. This is one of many messages found at breadforthebroken.com. So if you missed a portion of it today, we hope that you'll take the time to listen to it in its entirety. The website again is breadforthebroken.com. We understand that your minutes are precious to you and you have other obligations to fulfill. So why not listen on the go through our Facebook live stream? Or better yet, if you're in Galveston, Texas, on business or vacation, why don't you stop in to see what we're all about? If you enjoy a laid-back feel, then this is the place for you. Come worship Jesus while spending time with other believers at one of our two services, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. We'd love to meet you and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Do you ever feel like you want to be a part of something bigger, but you're unsure of how or what that is? Here at Bread for the Broken, we want to help everyone find hope and new life in Jesus Christ. So we're curious if you'd team up with us to reach as many as possible. On our website, breadforthebroken.com, there's a place for you to donate to this ministry. We simply ask that you pray about it and follow the Lord's leading, whatever that might be. Thanks again for spending part of your day with us today. Tune in again next time to spend time in God's Word with Pastor James Grizzle here on Bread for the Broken.